0: Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 22, take one. Hey, this is Rackhouse Ramblings, episode number 22. I'm Jeff. Thanks for listening. This is the the second episode of the second season that I declared, right? Uh, I got a bunch of things to talk about. Uh, I'm going to do a quick segment, update you guys on me since hand surgery, then I'm going to talk about uh, the latest camping trip that Ann and I took to the Upper Peninsula. It's, it was pretty cool. I'm going to kind of talk about not just the camping, but what we did, uh, getting there, the adventures we had. Um, going to tie in the Duck Lake Forest Fire of 2012. Bet you didn't hear about that one. And then uh, another segment or another part of that trip was going over the Cut River Bridge. I'm going to talk about that as well. Then uh, in the bourbon spotlight this week is a bourbon I picked up uh, on uh, my last trip down to Kentucky from the Neely Family Distillery. And they're known for moonshine, not so much for bourbon, but their bourbon was pretty damn good. So we're going to talk about that. It's going to be a great podcast. Stay right there. Episode 22 for Rack House Ramblings will be right back. All right, well, it's been uh, four weeks since uh, I had hand surgery, and just to refresh you guys, my right hand, I kind of, I shouldn't say kind of, I cut, crossed my knuckles with a, a, on a piece of mirror, and it cut the tendon, so I had them reattached, and that was uh, four weeks ago, as a matter of fact. I'm doing a lot better. Uh, just a few days ago, the hand doctor took my cast off, and he gave me the go-ahead to start moving my fingers, and I'll tell you what a strange feeling it is. Uh, not just the fingers, but my hand, my wrist, everything. It's been immobilized for four weeks, and it just feels so much better to get out of that thing. Um, I went right home and scrubbed the shit out of my hand. There was so much dead skin that came off. It was pretty gross, but um, that having that cast was such a pain. I, I can't tell you how how good it feels. Just to be a little more normal, just to take a shower, uh, things like that. Put on a sweatshirt. I had to cut the sleeves on a sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. But uh, it feels so much better right now, not to mention um, sleeping. Like just the other night, I rolled over, forgot I had a cast, and I hit Ann right on the, <laughs> right on the head, conk, with, <laughs> with the uh, cast. I can laugh now, but she was not happy in the middle of the night. I thought I gave her <laughs> a concussion. So uh, today I met with a physical therapist. We came up with like a four-week plan of what we're going to do and all that. Took a whole lot of measurements, um, to, I guess, to get a baseline, right? And and tested my hand strength and all those sorts of things. And the the crazy thing, like we hear about atrophy as a as a medic or whatever is someone in medical field. And atrophy is a real thing, man. My hand is really um, weakened. My elbow, everything. As a matter of fact, so I guess that's what uh, he was telling me. Having your wrist immobilized for four weeks will do that, and that's pretty normal, but. Bothers a hell out of me, and um, he was also explaining that when the tendons are sewn back together, um, it it takes more time. uh, I I guess I have to wait longer so I can really test it and you know put some weight on it and everything like that. So for three days a week for the next few weeks, I'll be going there um, and working on it, and I'm excited about it. At least there's light at the end of the tunnel. So for now, no cast. Hand's feeling great. Um, thank you everyone that's texted and asked how I was doing and things like that. Uh, I really appreciate that, uh, that, that you guys care, but, uh, that's it for right now on the hand update. Stay right there and we're going to get into, uh, my latest camping trip. Be right back. back. Ann and I went to uh, the Upper Peninsula last week. We had a four-day, I call it a tent camping adventure. We had a tent and sleeping bags. It was pretty cool. Um, We had a good time. The plan was to go north, I guess far enough north to get away from people, right? To find some solitude, some peace, some serenity, and it didn't quite turn out that way. (laughs) A lot of people had the same idea. (laughs) A lot of people Uh, We left Northville, you know, we headed north, uh, stayed a night at our cabin in Barton City, um, started fresh the next morning from there. And from my cabin to the Mackinac Bridge is about two hours. So uh, it's a really nice scenic ride through the country. It's just all two-lane back roads. You drive through, we went through Curran, through Fairview, through uh, Atlanta, Gaylord, and then um, straight on up 75 to the bridge. And we made a stop along the way. I don't know if you guys, I'm sure if you've driven up that way, um, you've seen it. It's called Seashell City. And uh, it's right along the freeway. It's exit 326 on I-75. And I've driven past this place a million times. Um, But after seeing it, I watched this PBS show called Under the Radar. Ann and I, we decided to stop and check it out. And it was fun. It's a fun place. Of course, you know, they have seashells, like the sign says, but it has all kinds of, like, nautical-themed gifts and stuff, pirate stuff and flags and all sorts of things like that. And like the billboard says, they have this 500-pound clamshell. No shit. It's, it's huge. <laughs> it was 500 pounds. But one cool thing I spotted while we were there, somebody was, get, was having this done. I've never seen it before, but... On the counter they had this fish tank with these freshwater clams in it, and for 20 bucks, the lady will reach in, she'll pry open the clam and get you a, your freshwater pearl, like fresh right out of the clam's mouth. It was pretty cool, uh, I've never seen that done before. I thought that was something cool. And um, we probably browsed around, Ann and I, for a good half hour probably 45 minutes who knows, maybe a little bit longer. But we did buy like some nautical souvenirs and things like that, and uh, it, it was worth the stop. You've never stopped. It's the bathrooms are clean if nothing else. (laughs) But anyway, so we kept heading north and just before the bridge, we um got out at Mackinac City and uh went down the uh the main strip there. You know, we wanted to get some fudge. And while we're we parked, there's a lot of people. You'd have thought it was 4th of July, right? Um we're walking to get our fudge, and there's this little popcorn place, and I'll be damned they didn't have fresh popcorn popping. And that smell, I, it was like a magnet. I went inside. We bought three bags of popcorn. And my favorite was the cheddar cheddar popcorn. Oh, my God. It was fresh. Like, they had just popped it, and it was warm. It was so, so good. So, anyway, we walked down the strip. We got some fudge. We got some popcorn. And then we jumped in the car and uh, went right around the corner to a little park. And it's at the base of the bridge. You can park. It's free. Get out and walk. And we like to go, like... um you call it like rock hounding, just walking the beach for rocks and things. And we always walk away with some cool fossils. So we probably went up and down the beach for a good, I don't know, 30 minutes, 45, a half hour, hour, something like that. And um, I ended up walking away with 10 cool, like small fossils of shells and things like that. And I always like to take a picture from under the bridge. To me, that's one of the coolest views. And people don't, no, you can walk right under the Mighty Mackinac Bridge for free, and it's one of the coolest views you'll ever see. I'll try and post something on my Instagram after this, and I like it because you get to see that steel, the steel construction, what really holds the cars and trucks up in the air off the water, right? And uh, you can see how it's made. You can hear the, them going over, the rumbling and all that. It's pretty cool. We like it. So if we, get, we usually try and stop and walk the beach for a little bit. So... Anyway, we get in the car, we cross over the bridge and right on the other side of the bridge is one of my favorite restaurants. It's called Clyde's Drive-In. And when you cross the bridge, uh, you get on US2. And if you go uh, east, you go into St. Ignace, you go west. um, It's like you're going towards Marquette or Newberry, right? So if you go west about a mile and it's right next door to McDonald's, it's a driveway before McDonald's called Clyde's Drive-In. And I'm sure you guys have driven by there, but you got to stop. Clyde's, uh, even though it's right next to McDonald's, it is miles ahead of their burgers for sure. They make some good freaking burgers. They use fresh ground beef, and, and I think that's the secret myself. And like the name says, it's a drive-in. So you park under the awning. The waitress walks out. Uh, she brings, takes your order, you know, and then brings your food back out to you. And you eat in your car, just like the old AndWs, like an old drive-in, right? My other favorite thing to get there is strawberry milkshake. They're milkshakes are so good. So, so good. So milkshake, fries, burger, made to order. It was so good. So next time you drive by, I would tell you, stop in there. It is so worth it. So anyway, I'm getting hungry just talking. Let's keep going. So after lunch, we kept driving and our destination was Lower Taquamon Falls Campground. And we showed up a couple hours later and met our friends Mark and Maggie. Thanks, Mark and Maggie. They were nice enough to let us share their campsite for the night. Um, and it was a good thing because the whole place was freaking full. And I mean, absolutely full. Um, they had a tent and we had a tent. So we shared the site and uh, we got settled in, went for a short hike, went to, uh, lower to falls. Um, and what's cool when you see these falls, it is so crazy water. There's so much water coming over all the time and it never stops. It is a lot of freaking water. And we went to, uh, I think we drove up to Upper Taquamma and did the same thing, walked out to the falls. If you've never done it, it's really cool to see. It really, really is. Um, So we get done there and the uh, restaurant, there's a brewery uh, restaurant there. It was closed for the night, but went back to our campsite, had dinner. It was nice. We had fun. We laughed, looked at the stars, stayed up late and it got chilly. It was in the low forties. I think it was in the thirties myself. It was pretty damn cold. So uh, we got up the next morning and, uh, after breakfast, we went out to, uh, oh, I have to thank Mark and Maggie for breakfast too. They made us Costco breakfast was good. But, uh, after breakfast, we went over to Whitefish Point for some bird viewing. And, uh, after bird viewing, uh, Mark and Maggie went their way. They wanted to go back to the brewery and Anne and I went into the shipwreck museum. And so in the shipwreck museum right there at Whitefish Point, it's kind of a whole, there's a, a lighthouse, uh, bird watching and a shipwreck museum and some other buildings to walk through. But I was blown away because they have these two—it's called uh, two Fresnel lenses in the museum. And a Fresnel lens—it's um, a special stack of glass lenses that amplify the light from a lighthouse. So think about it: um, How do you make a lantern, which was in the lighthouse, right? How do you make it bright enough for sailors to see when they're um, when they're long distance from shore, when they're out on their boat? you need to have that light shine a long way. So it's this lens, uh, it's called a Fresnel lens, is what does it, kind of amplifies the light. And they're in every lighthouse. uh, But what happened was once they converted lighthouses over to electricity, and they had bright enough bulbs, they didn't need the lenses. So they were thrown out. So if you see them, they're very, very rare. They're worth over a million dollars a lens. They're so rare. And the lenses are only made in one place. That's one of the things that makes them special is they're made in Paris, France, like Paris, France, all the way in freaking Europe, right? So think about this. Every lighthouse you've ever seen has a Fresno lens that is made in Paris. So think about it. If you're in Harrisville, if you're in Tawas, if you're in Port Austin, go all the way around the Great Lakes. Every single lens came from Paris, France. And then think about this. They had to send a special glass installer guy to put it in so he came all the way from Paris for every lighthouse that you'll see. Um, ask about it. next time you go to see one or look at one, it's called a Fresnel lens, and they're very, very rare. And, the, and at the uh, Whitefish Point Shipwreck Museum, they had two beautiful examples. I'll put them on my Instagram. One of them was absolutely huge, it had to be four or five feet across, like a tall, like a disc almost. It was, it was, it's something to see. I'm blown away every time I see him. So, anyway, after the Shipwreck Museum. Um, we went to our next spot. It's called the Two-Hearted River State Forest Campground. And this is on the shores of Lake Superior. Um, if you got out a map and you looked where Newberry, where, uh, Newberry was on the map and draw a line straight up and then go over a little to the right, you'll see this campground on the map. Um, it's not, like I said, it's on the shore of Lake Superior and it's where the Two-Hearted River empties into the lake. And what it is, it's a first come first serve campground. That means there's no advanced reservation. So we kind of were rolling the dice going up there. Right. And I said, you know, this far North, it should be no problem. So I put in my Google maps to get me there. What a fucking mistake that was. We got so lost. And the funny thing is, according to Google maps, we were on a road, right? And it says, go this way and go that way. But in reality, we're in a dirt not even a dirt two-track. It was a fucking trail in the middle of nowhere. And when I say nowhere, all the trees were gone. We were driving, and boom, it turned into like this grassy, desolate, reminded me of a tundra almost, of just rolling hills as far as you could freaking see. And there might have been some little saplings, but it was mostly grass and rolling hills. And it was like someone scraped away all the trees, right? They were freaking gone. There was nothing. And I'll post a picture on Instagram of my truck. I I jumped out and took one so you guys could kind of see how middle of nowhere it was. So after backtracking, driving through the sand and puddles, we found our way to the campground. Uh, It took like uh, well over an hour of getting lost out there. And um, the strange thing was we get to the campground and there were trees. We went from bare landscape pull into the campground and here's all these tall pines. They were like towering over campers and tents. And lucky for us, there were two sites left, (laughs) two freaking sites. 29 out of the 31 were taken. We were number 30, man. And I scratched my head because here we are. We came this far north. You had to have a four wheel drive truck to get to this campsite. And these people pulled campers in there. And yet, you know, I'm thinking, oh, there's nobody. We were surrounded by campers. Go figure. So Anyway, Ann and I loaded, and we set up our tent. We kind of walked around the place, and we found out everyone was there for salmon fishing. Uh, The salmon were running up the the Two-Hearted River, and everyone there was all regulars. They come back every year. We were like the new people. So we're setting up our shit, and people want to say, oh, who's the new people? And they kept walking by us. And finally, some old guy across the way came over and started talking to me, and, uh, you know, I've come to find out he's been at this site, um every year for the last 18 years and he said oh yeah and all these other people they're the same way we've all been coming here for that long and so i had to ask about the trees and why there's nothing around he said oh there was a forest fire he was thinking it was like six years ago but when we got home i looked it up um it was more like eight years ago and it's called the duck lake fire of 2012 no shit so we were seeing um what was growing back from this forest fire. So I went on Wikipedia and checked it out. And I'll read you this little statement. This is on the Wikipedia. If you looked up Duck Lake fire, right? It occurred north of the village of Newberry in Lucy County um, in the eastern half of the Upper Peninsula. It started uh, with a lightning strike on Wednesday, May 23rd of 2012 near Duck Lake. Um, It wasn't contained until June. So think about that. Uh, June 21st, so almost four weeks Um, 21,135 acres burned. And now I know what 21,008, I couldn't see it, but I can tell you it was a lot of fucking, there was nothing out there (laughs) for as far as you could see. Um, The Duck Lake fire was reported as the third worst fire in Michigan since 1881. Um, It was the second major fire in Lucy County within five years. And on May 25th, uh, just two days after the fire started, Governor Rick Snyder declared a state of disaster in Lucy County and Schoolcraft County. And that included a ban on fireworks and outdoor burning in 49 counties. That's all the counties in the upper peninsula. And then the Northern half of the lower peninsula. It was, uh, it even caused the closure of Taquamina and Falls state park. So this fire started South and Newberry worked its way North came all the way up to the campground. It was crazy. Um, All the forest south of the campground was gone. And I mean, it was gone. Our campsite was unusual because we were at the edge of the campground. So one side of our campsite had this tall, had the tall trees. We looked to our left. You look to the right, there was nothing, (laughs) nothing at all. So it was very, very unusual. And as the fire rolled through, it burned down an old fish camp and it was called Rainbow Lodge. And the Rainbow Lodge had like six or seven cabins, burned all those down. And there's a couple of houses around there, burned those down. And now, as we drove up, here's all these new little cabins and a couple of new houses and a new rainbow lodge, like pretty new within the last year or two, or whatever. And um, but no one came back. It looks like it's pretty desolate, except for this little campground that was completely packed. So, anyway, that's the story of the forest fire in the campground and uh, we walked the beach it was a nice night walked all around there and uh, we uh, had a campfire stayed up late again looking at the stars it was nice we woke up the next morning and it was sprinkling so we packed up and kind of drove out and google maps screwed me again (laughs) I thought I'm leaving I go I'm not gonna go the same way I came so I follow google maps and I'll tell you it was the longest fucking 10 mile ride 10 miles took well over an hour hour and a half probably I think we only had to turn around once, but it was a lot of sand, a lot of mud, and a lot of puddles. Um, but we finally made it to the the closest town was Newberry. Um, I gassed up there, and we headed to the next stop, which was called Grand Marais. And Grand Marais is a, a small town on the shore of Lake Superior. So almost we drove south, went across, and then drove north again, like a big letter U. And the town Grand Marais is really cool. Um, it's known more for snowmobiling than anything. But we found room at uh, the campground right in town, Woodland Park or something like that. It was packed full of campers, but they had this little section off to the back that was just for tents, and we were the only ones there. There was like seven or eight spots over there, and uh, so we got in there. We unloaded our stuff, uh, set up our tent. We showered up and had... Oh, speaking of shower, I didn't mention we hadn't showered (laughs) in a few days, so it was the best 50 cents we've spent in a long time, so um we were being close so close to the pictured rock shoreline so we had to go take a hike we jumped in the truck and went over to sable falls we did a short hike to from the parking lot to the falls then we kept right on going jumped in the truck again and went to the boy what did they call it it was like a logging hill where the loggers would put their logs and let them go down into lake superior i can't remember the name of it a log shooter log run or something like that did a Short visit there, then uh, drove to the next trailhead, and we hiked out to Sable Point Lighthouse. I think that was a mile and a half out to that, and that was nice. Um, But the whole time, we there's still a lot of people on these trails that we were going. We were running into people constantly. Um, Not what I expected for a Monday. I think it was a Monday afternoon or two. Yeah, Monday afternoon. I was very very surprised. So um, by then it was a, a pretty full day. It was getting late in the afternoon. We drove back to Grand Marais and we had dinner, in the only restaurant in town was called Lake Superior Brewing Company, and uh, all the other places, there were two or three other places in town, but they closed from Corona for lack of business, so the town had a, uh, uh, this restaurant we were at, they were only serving carryout, and um, you could eat out on the picnic tables was the way they were doing, it. and then there was a gas station, and a hardware store, and a little grocery store, and that was about it, so We, uh, enjoyed a nice evening out on their uh, picnic tables, had pizza and beer and scotch eggs. And you're, you're, I can hear you guys now, scotch eggs. Well, let me tell you, scotch eggs are, it's think, here's what it is. Scotch egg, it's a soft boiled egg wrapped in ground sausage, and then it's rolled in panko, uh, breadcrumbs, and then it's deep fried and they serve it with like a Dijon mustard sauce. It is so good with cold beer. And I had the, they had a really good blueberry pale ale. Really, I'm not much of a craft beer guy, but this pale ale was really, really good. I slept like a log that night. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the next morning we packed up. We headed home. We drove uh, uh, south from there and then turned on US2. And I stopped at one of my favorite bridges. Um, I guess it's my second favorite bridge after after the Mackinac Bridge. This is called it's the Cut River Bridge on US2. And... I'm sure you guys haven't stopped. I might be the only weirdo that stops, but you should really stop. It's pretty cool. Um, It's a sweet, steel-constructed, cantilevered bridge, and it spans this huge valley, and it goes over the Cut River down below. And they call it the Cut River, but to me it looks more like a creek. But it's a huge valley, cool bridge. Um, There's a little parking lot just for the bridge where you can park, and they have a little rest area, and you can use the bathroom. And you park your car, you can walk out to the middle of the bridge, you can walk under the bridge, and they even have a trail that takes you down to the river. But if you walk out to the middle, you can get some cool pictures of Lake Michigan. And you remember I said it's a cantilevered bridge. And that means that the bridge um, hangs out over the valley to like the halfway point. Like if you're sticking out your arm and you kind of put your palm up and the way your arm sticks out, that's like a cantilever. So then uh, the other half of the bridge comes from the other side of the valley and they meet in the middle. And that's just it. They meet. They don't attach. So there are two cantilevered arms that reach out there and you drive across it. And it's really cool. So when you walk out there, you can stand out in the middle and one leg can be on each side of this bridge. And you wait there until a big heavy hauler drives over and holy shit, the bridge, the bridge will like flex and bounce. And I mean like really bounce as it drives over. It's the coolest feeling, but, um, next time you drive, you got to pull over and you got to try it. And before i forget let me give you there's some bridge stats they have a little sign there and i'll tell you what it is the the length of the bridge it's a 641 foot span so each arm each cantilever is 320 feet right um the bridge the height of the bridge is 147 feet um over the cut river and there's 888 tons of steel that make the bridge so that's probably more than you ever want to know about the cut river bridge anyway So (laughs) we packed up from there, kept going, and as we were going to Mackinac, we crossed the bridge and you see Mackinac City on the left, you know, I saw a sign that said Wienerlicious, so I had to stop. <laughs> they serve nothing but hot dogs, and you know me. If you guys know me, I guess I should say any sausage shaped like a penis has got to be good, but I tried their uh, bacon-wrapped hot dog, and it wasn't bad. Not bad at all. They put a piece of bacon around a hot dog, drop it in the deep fryer, and it was pretty good. I would get it again, so anyway. Wienerlicious, it was okay. Um, it's, I, I don't know if I would stop there. It was like three or four dollars a hot dog, but it was just a hot dog anyway. So, um, after that, back on I-75, we made it home. Our trip was over. Um, the rest of the ride was pretty uneventful, but uh, it was a good trip all in all. A lot more people than I thought. Um, you know, when you go to get away, you think of the UP and not many people go, but there was a lot of people. It was beautiful. Um, everyone should try all those things, the Cut River Bridge and the Two Hardy Campground and all that. So, uh I'll be right back with the uh, Bourbon Spotlight, man. Okay, Rackhouse Ramblings episode 22. It's the second episode of my second season self-proclaimed. Uh in the Bourbon Spotlight this week, I'm going to talk about the Neely Family Distillery. That's Neal and as in Nancy Neely, N E E L E Y Family Distillery. Um If you guys remember, I stopped there uh, my last visit on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. And actually, wasn't even the Bourbon Trail. It's called the Craft Tour part of the Bourbon Trail. And it's a small distillery that sits right in front of the Kentucky Speedway. I think it's I-71 in Sparta, Kentucky. And this is one of my favorite tours. Ann and I were like the only visitors there. Um, You can, if you want to check it out, go to neelyfamilydistillery.com. N-E-E-L-E-Y, familydistillery.com. And uh, every distillery has a story with it. And this one, the story was, they were famous for making illegal moonshine. He said, you know, you've heard of the beam family. They're famous for making uh, legal, uh, liquor. We're famous for making illegal moonshine. Um, in 2015 is when they became a legal distiller. And the master distiller is a kid named Royce Neely supposed to be youngest distiller in the world. And he was distilling according to the story out of his college dorm room at University of Kentucky. And that's how he's making money. And apparently he's the 11th generation of distillers in their family. And I thought all that was pretty cool. The whole operation from grinding the grain to making the mash, distilling it, barrel, everything is no bigger than like a small truck stop or a big gas station. They had like, I think it was two buildings, two or three buildings. Um, And our tour guide walked us around. He answered all my stupid questions. Even let me taste the moonshine, like right out of the the vat thing. It was really, really cool. Um, it, it, so like, I guess, speaking of moonshine, like I said, that was more their specialty and they had all kinds of flavored moonshine. And if you've had moonshine, you've heard of lemon drops heard of apple pie. They had one called orange creamsicle. That was really, really good. And, and I bought some of that as a matter of fact, but I was there for the bourbon and he had this special deal. You could bottle your own single barrel bourbon. That's what I did. And so he goes, Oh, you want the single barrel? I said, yeah, he goes, here, take the empty bottle, um, come on with me. We're walking back, and here's this barrel sitting on its side. And he pops the bung out, and he puts in this little uh, single pump, dips it right in the freaking barrel. He goes, okay, hold your bottle up there. We pump out uh, enough for like half-fifth. And he um, says, okay. It, it, it was like filtered, unfiltered. What am I saying, filtered? It was unfiltered right from the barrel. It came out like this beautiful straw-colored bourbon. And it even had like a piece of the charred, White, white oak in my bottle that I got to keep. So it, it's a smooth, I, when I was there, I tasted it. Smooth, has a nice finish. We're going to taste it again in a minute. But um, we walked back out to the front of the uh, in their uh, store and they have a little station where you fill out the label. You get to put the label on yourself. So mine is crooked, of course, because I put it on by hand. You get to put the seal, you cork it, put the seal on. Um, you get to, they have a spot where you write what the mash bill is. This one is 76% corn, 19% wheat, 5% malt. It came from barrel number seven, and barrel number seven has a level three char, and it's a 30-gallon barrel, and then they even have a strain of yeast. They call it 4.1. That was one of his special things was yeast, and this is a 103.6 proof um, triple pot distilled, non-chill filtered, sweet mash, and I really like the whole idea of bottling it myself, and they call the name of the barrel as rye or rye Knot, which was pretty cool. And they, they uh, the date it was barreled, put into the barrel, was May 25th, 2018. So this is aged uh, just a two-year bourbon, which is the minimum, just over two years. So we put it in the bottle on August 30th of 2020. So I thought it was pretty cool. I liked it. I liked the whole idea, the whole story and everything. So let's give it a taste. I want to break the seal that I put on. There we go. And this is a half-fifth single barrel. 103 proof. Mm. Beautiful color. And I really like that at the bottom of my barrel are a couple of pieces of charred oak. Like a a charcoal. Let's see what we got. Mm. It's like a... To me, this one is like a caramel taste. It really is. And... like I, the, the bourbons I choose, I try not to get the ones with any burn or acidity or anything. This is such a smooth finish and there's no way you'd know it was a two-year-old bourbon. Mm. All right. I'm going to put a picture of that on my Instagram. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for being so patient. I'll try and put these out more regularly. I know I've said that a bunch of times, but, uh, Rackhouse Ramblings episode 22. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you guys later.